0: We've entered into the second half of the Mesechta, whose main focus is on the laws of stealing and as we mentioned in the introduction to this Perak, there are two forms of stealing one is Gneva and that's the focus of this Perak. That's when one steals something sort of secretly, and if he's found to be the thief, then he's obligated to pay back tashlume kethel, which is double the value which he stole. So if he still has the item, he would pay back the item plus its value. If he doesn't have the item anymore, then he would have to just pay back double its value. And as well as that, we learnt of a punishment of tashlume the v'chamisha that if he stole an ox or a sheep specifically, and then he either slaughtered it or sold it then he wouldn't just pay back double, He would pay back four or five times the value. If it's an ox, then five times the value. If it's a sheep, then four times the value. The second type of stealing is called gazela. That's not necessarily when you steal it secretly, rather it's when you take something forcibly from somebody else. And we'll see more details about that in the final two prokim of the Maserta. Now, we've already come across a concept a couple of times in this msechta called kimli bdjabomine, that if somebody does something, and for that same act, he should really be liable to two different punishments. For example, he would have to pay, and he receives the death penalty from Bastin. The rule of kimli bdjabomine says that he only receives the more severe punishment. And in fact, even in a case where he won't receive the more severe punishment, for example, if he did it by mistake. So he's not killed by Bastin for doing something by mistake. Nevertheless, since that act is something which potentially could make him liable to the death penalty, even if practically speaking he won't receive the death penalty, he is still exempt from paying. That is how far this rule of Kim lebe goes, that he'll never receive the less severe punishment. Now this Mishnah is going to bring a number of cases where the rule of Kim lebe does not apply, because the person didn't do any act which would make him liable to the death penalty, and therefore he would need to pay. In Mishnah Dalad, we're going to see parallel examples where he did do something which would make him liable to the death penalty and therefore he would be exempt from paying. So our Mishnah tells us that if somebody steals something by the testimony of two witnesses, meaning two witnesses testify that they saw him steal a particular animal, let's say an ox, and he slaughtered or sold it afterwards, also by the witness, by the testimony of these same witnesses or if it's by the testimony of two other witnesses who saw him slaughter or sell it. Even though the two testimonies were given separately, the thief is liable to pay back four or five times the value of the ox or sheep. If it's an ox, it'll be five times. If it's a sheep, then it'll be four times the value. And what the Mishnah's coming to tell us is that even though we learned in the previous Mishnah that the punishment and the obligation of paying Tashlumi Abba which is really, we can look at that as a two or three times extra. For stealing alone, he pays back double the value, that's two times. And then for slaughtering or sell it, he pays, he pays an additional two or three times the value. So we learned in the previous Mishnah that one is never obligated to pay the two or three times without paying the double. If Teshormi Kephel doesn't apply, then Teshormi will not apply either. Now there is a law regarding testimony in Then that the testimony is only valid if the witnesses testify about the entire thing. If let's say, there are two or three factors which are necessary in order to, liable, to make someone liable for having done something. It has to be that the witnesses, a pair of witnesses come, and they testify about all of it. If they testify that they only saw, let's say, one or two of the things, but not the third thing which is necessary to make this person liable, then the testimony is not accepted and the person would not be liable. Now, if that's the case... I might very well have thought that the testimony of these last two witnesses who testify that the thief sold or slaughtered the animal which he had stolen would enter the previous Mishnah, the one can never be liable to the Tashram Baba Khamisha without Tashrame Kefel. It's true that you can be liable to Tashrame Kefel without Tashra Baba Khamisha, that's certainly every time you steal. So the first witnesses would definitely be accepted here. But I might have thought that the second witnesses should not be accepted, because they are dependent on the previous two witnesses. So the is coming to tell us that no, that is not the case. Since the witnesses, the first pair of witnesses who make him pay Tashromei Kefel, are accepted by themselves, so now this person is already liable to the Tashrame Kefel. And that's considered something complete. And because of that, when the other witnesses come and testify that this person sold or slaughtered it, we also do not look at that as half, but we do look at that as something within itself. Alright, continues the Mishnah. Gone from Shabbos. if somebody stole and sold the animal, of course, selling and we're talking about selling it, that means we're talking about either an ox or a sheep. Because only then is there an obligation of Tash Rumi Ababa So if somebody stole and slaughtered and, and sold it on Shabbos. Although it's prohibited Bonon, to sell things on Shabbos, that certainly does not carry with it a death penalty. He has not violated Shabbos on a Midiraisa level. If he stole and then sold it to for the sake of idolatry, selling something for the sake of abed Zarah does not carry with it the death penalty, it's not considered to be serving the idolatry. Alright, and gonna v'tobach b'make if he stole and slaughtered the animal on Yom Kippur, even though that is forbidden with the punishment for doing so, for violating Yom Kippur, for performing work on Yom Kippur, is not the death penalty by Bastin, rather it is kores, which is a punishment delivered by Hashem, perhaps an earlier death, and it's a very severe punishment where one is, so to speak, cut off from Hashem. However, since it is not given by Bastin, the rule of Kim Lebe does not apply, and therefore this thief would be liable to pay. Continues the god of Michelle somebody stole an ox or a sheep from his father, the Tavachomochar, and then he slaughtered it or sold it, the Achachach Mesh and then his father died. So at the time of the stealing and at the time of the slaughtering and selling, the animal still belonged totally to his father. After his father died, so he inherits his father. But at the time that he became obligated to pay, it did not belong to him, and therefore even though his father dies after that, this person would need to pay the father's other inher- other inheritors, the Tashrema Bava V'Tovach, If he stole it and slaughtered it, and then he made the animal into Hektash, he designated it to the Bisham Again, he only did that after he already became liable. So when he became liable, it still belonged to the original owner, and therefore in all of these cases, he is liable to pay if he stole it and then he slaughtered it for the sake of healing somebody, to give the meat to somebody who is ill, and it him, or to feed it for the dogs. Even though he himself is not eating it, at the end of the day, the slaughtering itself is perfectly... Valid, so certainly he will be liable, HaShaykhid if somebody slaughters it, and the animal is found to be a trefar, It has some sort of internal wound, which means that even though the slaughtering was done well, the animal itself is, cannot be eaten. It's tref. HaShaykhid Bazara, or if somebody slaughters an animal which has not been designated to be bought as a korban and he slaughters it in the courtyard of the Bisham the is that it is forbidden to eat this animal afterwards, or even to benefit from the animal afterwards, however, since also in this case, in terms of the actual slaughtering there was nothing wrong, and the punishment of the B'vach was given to somebody who does a valid slaughtering which, in terms of itself, is totally valid and there's only something external which might perhaps mean that the slaughtering doesn't permit the meat to be eaten but the slaughtering itself was a good slaughtering was a good shechita and therefore he would be liable to pay the full payment of four or five times the value However, Rabbi Shimon prays Elu, Rabbi Shimon exempts him from paying Tashlom Yabba in the final two cases, because according to Rabbi Shimon, only a shechita, a slaughtering which permits the animal to be eaten, only that is considered to be a real slaughtering for which the Torah requires him to pay Tashlom Mishnah Gimel: Another concept regarding testimony given in Din, which this mission is going to discuss, is that of Edim Zaymimim. Edim Zaymimim are witnesses who gave a testimony in Din. And after that, two other witnesses came and they didn't testify that the facts which the first witnesses stated are not true. They say we don't know what happened, but what we do know is that these two witnesses who testified about what happened could not have known what happened because they were with us at the time that that event happened. So this is the scenario of Adam and the law is that the first two witnesses If the testimony of the second witnesses is accepted, then the first two witnesses receive whatever punishment they tried to give the person they testified about. Now that we see that they were lying, and it was found out that they were lying in this particular specific way, in that case, the Torah says that these Adam Zonim who lied receive whatever punishment they tried to give the person they testified about. So the Mishnah says, if somebody stole by the testimony of two witnesses, meaning two witnesses come to Beeston and they state, they testify that so-and-so stole this animal, this ox, and by their testimony also, they state that they saw him slaughter it or sell it. And then, of Zomimim, they are found out to be Adam Zomimim. The law is just like with all oh, Adam Zomimim Shamanakal, They would be liable to pay everything which they wanted him to pay. So they would need to pay four or five times the value of the animal which they said he stole. And they're paying this not to the owner of the animal. They're paying this to the person who they pretended stole it. The Gemara adds that we're talking about a case where they gave the entire testimony in one go. Because if not, then we run into a different problem that Adam Zomimim are invalid witnesses. So if we find out that their first testimony was false... Then their test, their second testimony is not valid at all. So they wouldn't become idem Zomim for the second testimony because it's meaningless. And therefore the Gemara says we're talking specifically about a case where they gave the entire testimony in one go. They came to Basin and they said that this person stole and slaughtered it afterwards. Continues the Mishnah. If two witnesses state they testify that this person stole and two other wit- different witnesses testify that they saw him slaughter or sell it. And then they are both found to be The first pair of witnesses, they have to pay and the last pair of witnesses, they would pay three times the value. Although in general one can never be liable to pay tashrim ababa without paying tashrimi kefel, here it's different because here there is an obligation of tashrimi kefel. It's just upon different people, and so this last pair of witnesses would be obligated to pay tashrimi ababa What happens if nimtzu only the last pair are found to be So whom shalim He, the thief, needs to pay tashrimi kefel because the first testimony is still valid. So we still assume that he is the thief. The hein and these final pair of witnesses, they would pay three times the value. What happens if one out of the two last witnesses is found to be an Eid Zoymeim? So the second testimony is totally cancelled and invalid because there's now only one witness who is still assumed to be valid. And we always require two witnesses. As well as that, the person who is found to be an Eid Zomim would not receive the punishment he was trying to give because the law is that if only one out of the two witnesses is found to be an Eid Zomim, so he does not receive the regular punishment of Eid Zomim unless both of them are found to be Eid Zomim. So in this case, only the thief would pay Tashme Kefel and nobody would be paying Tashme Ababa Chamesha. All right, If one of the first witnesses is found to be an aidzome, then Bonakala Eus, all of the testimonies become totally invalid. because if there is no valid testimony about the stealing, then Evi Mehira. The testimony regarding the slaughtering and the selling is also invalid, because in this case you would have the regular rule that there is no Tashrume Baba chamisha without Tashrume Kefel. Just, by the way, something to note, it comes out that in the case where the last pair of witnesses, the ones who testified that he slaughtered or sold it, in the case where they become Adam's own it emerges that the thief actually gains. The thief has to pay back double the value to the owner, but then the thief receives three times the value from this last pair of witnesses. So it emerges that he actually ends up gaining the value of the animal. If two witnesses testify that he stole, and he slaughtered or sold it, by the testimony of only one witness, or by the testimony of himself, he admits, he says that I stole or, I sold or slaughtered it. In this case, he would be liable to pay Tashmai Kefel, but he would not be liable to pay Baba chamisha because there is no valid testimony obligating him to pay that. Now the continuation of the Mishnah brings lots of cases which are parallel to the cases we saw in Mishnah Base, but in this case the rule of Kim Lebe would apply. Again, Kim Lebe means that you'll only receive the more severe punishment, and therefore in these cases you would be exempt from paying. For example, Gonavatovach if somebody stole and then he slaughtered it on Shabbos. So for slaughtering on Shabbos, one receives a death penalty. Gonavatovachaveh Dezara, or if he stole it and then he slaughtered it in order to serve Aveh Idolatry, so in these two cases, Kimle ve would apply. Now the next case is different. Gona vishal oviv, if he stole from his father, Meis oviv, and then his father died, so now he inherits his father. The kahtovach And then he slaughtered or sold the animal. Since he is a part-owner of the animal, it could be he shares it with other inheritors, but he is a partial owner on this animal, and therefore he would not be liable for sla- slaughtering or selling it. Gonav, if he stole it, and then the hikdish, he designated the animal which he stole to the bisham the achakach and then once it became the property of the bisham it's now considered to be owned by them, and at that point he sorted it or sold it, so when he did that, it no longer belonged to the person from whom he stole, and therefore in these cases, in Shaddam he would be liable to pay the Inshaddam he would not need to pay our Rabbi Shimon, I mean Rabbi Shimon says, now Rabbi Shimon is not arguing on the case we just talked about, rather he is coming to argue against a different law of the, of the Mishnah, which the Mishnah here does not state. According to the Chachomem, which don't state this over here, but their opinion is that if somebody, let's say Ruvain, designates an animal to bring as a Korriban, and then Shimon steals that animal, and then let's say he also sold it or slaughtered it afterwards, because it is already designated to the Mishamikdash, so the original owner is no longer considered to be the real owner of this animal, therefore Shimon, the thief, would be exempt from paying Tashumi kefel or Tashumi ababa Now Rabbi Shimon is coming to say that it depends, because there are two ways for somebody to designate a carbon to the Besam hamikdash. One is to say that this animal I am designating as a carbon for the Besam hamikdash, and he points to a specific animal, and that now becomes Hekdosh. That is known as a nedover. Another way that he can do it is by making a neder. By making a neder, he says that I'm accepting upon myself to bring a carbon, and he's now obligated to do so. And then, later on, he can say that, how am I going to fulfill my neder? And then he designates a specific animal, this animal I'm going to use in order to fulfill my nether. The big difference between these two cases being, what happens if something happens to the animal? For example, the animal dies. In the first case, that's it, he's got no obligation to bring a different animal as a carbon. He only ever accepted upon himself to bring this animal. So if he's not able to bring this animal anymore, he's exempt. However, in the second scenario, where he obligated himself to bring a carbon, and then he just said, how am I going to do it with this animal? So if something happens to that animal, then he'll have to use a different animal in order to fulfill his obligation. And it's because of this difference that Rabbi Shimon comes to argue against the Chachomim. And according to Rabbi Shimon, in the second scenario, if a thief steals that animal, which the person designated in order to fulfill his neder, his vow to bring a carbon, if somebody steals that animal, it is considered to be that he is stealing from the owner. And he's not just stealing an animal of Hekdush. Why? Because by taking this animal away from him, the owner is now going to have to take a different animal and bring that as a korriban. So he is losing out himself by you taking this animal, which happens right now to belong to Hekdush. And therefore, according to Reh if somebody steals an animal, which the owner will be obligated to replace, Then it's considered that he is stealing from the owner himself and the shantashlomi ababa hamisha. The thief would be liable to pay tashlomi ababa hamisha. And as well as that, tashlomi kefel. It's only in a case where the owner wouldn't be obligated to replace the animal, in a case where it's a nadova, where he said this animal I'm designating as a carbon. in that case Mishim agrees with the Chachomin that it's considered to be that he's stealing from hektash and he's not stealing from the owner, and therefore Potter, he would be exempt in that case only from paying Tashlomi Kefel and Tashlomi Abov HaChamisho. Mishnah, hey, the Torah says that Tashlomi Abov applies if you sell it, Which implies that it has to be that you sell the entire animal, and therefore If the thief sold the animal, except for one percent, one hundredth of the animal, he retains ownership on a part of the animal. Or in a case where the thief actually shared ownership of this animal with the person from whom he stole. He's only a part owner of this animal, and he one day takes it and sells it, or he slaughters the entire animal. So, only on half of that animal is it considered to be forbidden. So again, the punishment of the Hamisha would not apply. Hashaych <whimper> ibn one who slaughters an animal, but the animal dies not as a result of the slaughtering, whilst he's slaughtering it. It's not the Shechita itself which kills the animal, or Hanoicher, one who tears open the animal and kills it that way, the Akir, or one who takes out or cuts, the windpipe and the food pipe of the animal, which are the things which the shechita has to be done with, the shechita is cutting through those. But if he takes those out of the animal without doing it in the way that shechita is supposed to be done, so again, the shechita itself is not considered to be shechita at all. So he would be liable to pay tashruf kefil, and he would not pay tashruf because he didn't do the slaughtering. It's not considered to be shechita at all. Alright, continues the Mishnah. If he stole it whilst it was in the property, the animal was in the property of the owner of the animal, and then he slaughtered or sold it outside of their property, meaning he took the animal out, and when the thief took the animal out of the owner's property, he acquires the animal. Of course, he doesn't become the real owner, but halakhically speaking, we view him for certain things as being the owner of the animal. And only then is he real, is he really considered to be a thief, when he takes the ownership of that item or in a case where he stole the animal whilst it was not in the owner's property, and he took it to the owner's property, so by taking it, by grabbing hold of the animal, he he becomes the thief, and he slaughtered and sold it in the owner's domain, in the owner's property, or if he stole and slaughtered or sold it outside of the owner's property, and we're talking about a case where he grabbed hold of it, so he became the thief, in all these cases he would pay back four or five times the value. However, if he stole and slaughtered, or sold it, whilst it was all still in the property of the owner, and he didn't acquire it, he didn't grab hold of the animal or something, then Potter would be exempt from paying the Tashnomei or even the Tashnomei Kefel, because he is not considered to be a thief.